Greetings, everybody. I'm Chris Dewar, and this is the Dewarisms podcast for November the 6th, presented as always by the fine folks from County Market, supporting your kids, your schools, and your community. Alongside, as always, Mr. Jet Beecham. He has survived as I have survived what was the week of infinite travel last week as we went to all corners, seemingly, of the Midwest to get you covered in high school football, high school softball, high school soccer, and everything else that seemed to come between. Oh, yeah, can't forget volleyball either because we had a ton of it. Hey, you know what? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. We've got teams still standing and we're ready to go with what's left in the continued chases to state championships. We're going to talk about all of that. We're going to talk a little high school girls basketball going into the season with our preseason all do or die teams, including our preseason player of the year. And we're going to talk a little pop culture with you. We're going to talk a little hip hop this week. I'm going to pick Jet's brain about something that's bugging me. That's his wheelhouse, not so much mine, but I, I do need to pick his brain. Plus, I've got a pop culture commercial that is my all-time favorite thing in the world this week, and we'll see if Jet concurs. All of that coming in just a second, but you can help your school win up to $5,000 from County Market. Just sign up your Max card in the Max Dollars for Education program, and every dollar you spend at your local store helps benefit your school. Register in-store or online at mycountymarket.com. All right, Jet, let's start with the reveal of our preseason all-do-or-die girls basketball team. I think our player of the year in a year where there's a lot of really good bigs, centers and power forwards in particular, is a pretty obvious choice. We're going with Concord Triopia's Anna Burris out of the gate, who averaged last year in route to first-team All-State honors 18 points and a state-best 15.2 rebounds, which is just an absolute monster number. Some things have changed to Concord Triopia in terms of coaching, but I don't think anything's changed that will affect Anna. You got a chance to see her last season. I got a chance to see her last season. She has absolute dominance in the low post, especially at the small school level. Yeah, and I think that's a very, very easy pick, especially you mentioned the small school level. You know, a lot of these other girls that you'll see on our list are probably facing whether, you know, higher competition, bigger classes. But, you know, for what she did, I mean, Anna Burris is probably, in, in my opinion, an average over 20 points this year, maybe near that 15 you know, rebound mark again this year. It's it's going to be unbelievable. The stats she puts up, of course, we don't we don't know what her coach is going to you know what it's going to look like with a new coach, but we do know that she's going to be you know probably the most dominant figure you know and figurehead not only for that team but also in the post that we'll see. And you know we mentioned other girls. You know, Tori Hamilton's got. I mean, you talk about the size. Yeah, revealing and, you know, our you know, first beautiful team. Stuff our center you want. is Tori Hamilton. Yeah, yeah Tori from Paris High School. Tori Hamilton from Paris. I mean, you talk about you know wanting that size. You know, you don't find many what six five centers at you know the the class one level in, in Missouri so and you know she's obviously a, a pledge already I believe to SIUE uh, you know so it's it's I mean that speaks to what she's done so far uh, and you know talking a little bit about you know other people I know Chris is going to want to you know reveal his list for the first team but man we got some stars on this one Chris yeah you touched on SIUE we've got two on our first team and our first team looks thusly just jet touched on our uh, our center pick it's Tori Hamilton from Paris our power forward in this group is Sydney Hummert from Quincy Notre Dame which isn't really a surprise both Hamilton and Hummert headed for different sports to SIUE Hummert headed to play volleyball there obviously uh, also our power forward and our small forward are kind of interchangeably versatile players. We've got Maya Mershman from Central Lee as our first team uh, small forward who has kind of a Kevin Durant type game inside, outside. She can do it all. Had a huge season last season. Natalie Thomas from Community R5 is our uh, R6, okay. excuse me. Yes, I've got my Roman numerals all screwed up. My Roman isn't good tonight. Uh, is our wing. And then we've got Megan Stone from Palmyra back as our point guard from Palmyra. So that would be our starting team, our fifth 
Uh, our fifth person, or our sixth man, I should say, in this particular group is Bella Falconer as well from Hannibal High School. Any uh, discernment, anything that you like, anything that stick out about you about that group, Jet, going into the season that, that you see in terms of that talent base and, and that grouping? You know, and first of all, I want to, you know, mention Natalie Thomas. You, you have her right there at the guard. And, you know, this is a girl that led Community R6 to a third-place finish last year. You know, she's the, the daughter of a, of a coach. And, I mean, she's just amazing. I mean, getting her to see her on the state level, you know, what she did, she led that team, you know, all the way, you know, to state. And that was a team that, you know, is a little under the radar because they're kind of just on that edge and fringe of our coverage area, but a very, very good team. And, you know, look for her, especially what she's done. I think she's already scored, what, 1,000 points, you know, in her first two years. So we're talking about a girl that's, I think, just turning a junior now that's, you know, one of the better players in our area. And, you know, I like the sneaky pick of Megan Stone as a as a guard. You know, she's maybe – she's going to have a bigger role this year, you know, with Miss, uh, I believe it was Miss Reagan Barnett, if my memory serves me correctly, you know, starting for Palmyra the last few years, she's going to be able to take over that mantle. She's probably the best defensive guard, I think, in my opinion, in the area. I mean, she is just stingy with the steals. Very, very good. And so it'll be interesting to see how she fits in, you know, in that passing role. And, and you mentioned Bella Falconer. If anyone didn't get to see her last year, just a freshman playing at a pretty high level at Hannibal was absolutely dominant in the paint. I mean, we're talking about, you know, a rebounding machine you know, in the paint for, you know, the Lady Pirates. And she's going to be really good. I like Addie Eager as well. We kind of have her on, you know, that fringe, you know, second team-ish. She's, on that second she's team very, very teams. good. You know, the two Addies last year, of course, Addison Miller, who's a very, very good player. She's now gone. So look for Addie Eager to get some more touches this year. She's going to be really fantastic. Another people, another Palmyra girl, Bailey Loveless, is, is going to be, you know, a really, really good basketball player. She's kind of like, you know, that, that Swiss Army knife that does a little bit of everything for Palmyra. And, of course, you know, missing, you know, the big now. It's, it's going to be interesting to see what they can do this year, you know, with, with having to replace, you know, that production in the paint. Uh, so, you know, I think it's just going to be a great year. You, you did mention it, though. You know, if we're talking, you know, the strengths of this year, bigs, bigs, and more bigs. Yeah, you touched on that, which brings us to our second team reveal. We've got Riley Strange from Knox County as our second team center. We've got Bella McCartney from Jacksonville Route, who had that fine year last year, stepping up big for her squad as our power forward. Addie Eager, as Jet mentioned, is uh, the other forward in this group from Menden Unity. Hallie Dyer from Monroe City, who is going to get a lot of that Jada Summers run, some of that burn, and to eat into some of the stats she had. Man, Hallie had such a wonderful uh, year last year, stepping up big for Monroe City. She seems like a heir apparent star. And then we've got Carly Artman from Illini West on that list, who's as good an athlete as you'll find. So that that's what we look like going into the basketball season. Again, I think the top end talent in our area is really good. Couple of teams that really have a chance to shine. Quincy Notre Dame, I, you know, I know the volleyball season ended shorter than they would have liked, but a lot of those girls are back. That's a team that I think basketball wise has a chance to make a real splash. You mentioned Community R6, obviously a team that has uh, some really good pieces. Have no idea what to make of Paris or Clopton because both took huge graduation hits although both have some pretty decent players coming back as well. Uh, you know, Monroe City, Palmyra, I think still going to be powerhouses in Northeast Missouri. Again, I really like where Unity Unity is coming into the season with the pieces they have, as you kind of mentioned. So, uh, and Illini West is Illini West. So there's, there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to when the basketball season does roll around. We're excited for it to get here, but we still have plenty of business to take care of on the football front, Jet, and that starts with just two games left for us in the Illinois High School playoff 
loss. Both of them, though, phenomenal matchups. Uh, we've got Beardstown taking on Quincy Notre Dame, which is exactly what we were begging for last week. And we've got Central taking on Athens, which is exactly what we were hoping for this week. And we talked about some of the unique subplots with, you know, with Camp Point Central hosting Athens. Brad Dixon got his coaching start under Bill Reed. Uh, Bill Reed left and went to Athens as the principal. His sons down there were Joe and Zach were already on staff for, for Ryan Knox. And now, you know, Bill has sort of become a sounding board over the last eight years, and they've made the, the playoffs as, as, as the Athens Warriors. The eight years Bill has been there as well. So this is the first time, you know, that Bill Reed has been kind of at cross purposes with his old protege, Brad Dixon, who's done a phenomenal job, obviously, with Camp Point Central since Bill left, and, and now they're playing heads up. I mean, that's a really good subplot. You throw in the fact that there are, that's not the end of the local ties. Willie Thompson, who was also like Joe and Zach Reed, part of those great Carthage dynasty teams in the late 1990s, on that coaching staff as well. Got a chance to see all of those guys down at the Athens sectional this week and catch up a little bit in advance of the, the big showdown. And they all talked about it, Jed. It's the, it's the brother game. You know, they, they basically called it that, hey, you love your brother, but if your head's up with him one-on-one on the basketball court in any sport, you want to beat him. Not because you hate him, but because you love him. And that's kind of the feel this week with that matchup. And I, it's two teams that do exactly kind of the same thing, except Nick Laird did it last week for six touchdowns and 386 yards. You saw him on tape a little bit as I – as did I. I mean, he reminds me a lot of, you know, some some really good ex-fullbacks in that, you know, in that sort of Carthage Illini West mode. He's that big, strong, strapping kid who can who can flat run. And I, I think, you know, he's going to be a tough guy to tackle. I mean, what does it come down, Jet? Does, does it come down to simple execution from two teams that know each other so well? Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I mean, this is going to be, you know, you want to say second toughest because, you know, running back the central will face this season because, you know, Pascal Gilavogi. But we're talking about two different complete runners here with Pascal's more, you know, shifty. He can lay the boom, but he's a little more shifty. He'll beat you with his, you know, top ten speed. You don't want to let him catch the corner, whereas Nick Laird is a, is a kid. If you haven't seen, you know, some highlight film, uh, look, just look him up. I mean, this is a kid that is almost built like a freight train. I mean, he just has a, a lot, lot of, of weight. Exactly. From what we saw last year. <laughs> There's a lot of weight on this kid, but he's fast. And, you know, he's a, you know, he's probably, what, a good six, six foot, six one, you know, maybe two, 205, I'd say, if I had a best guess. And this is a kid that has a running motor. I know if, if you tune into Springfield at all, you'll find plenty of highlights. And they're all high on this kid. You know, so it's going to come down to, you know, can his central defense stop him? Because I do believe he is what makes Athens Athens run night. What I do like about Central is, you know, they kind of have Brandon Rossmiller, but they have a lot of other weapons that they can attack teams with. So it's going to come down to, I think, what can they do against Nick Laird? If they can stop him on, on, on offense and on defense, I think that Central can, can put up enough points to win this game. But, you know, it's going to come down to, can Brad Dixon, you know, kind of, you know, cleverly put up something to where they can, you know, chop at his legs because that's probably what you're going to have to do and, you know, hope he doesn't break one. But I think it's one of those chippy things where, you know, this is a kid that can, you know, falling forward can probably pick up a good two and a half yards every carry. So, you know, that equates to, you know, picking up fourth downs and a first down every four downs. But it's going to be interesting. I It's it almost, it's almost reminiscent of, you know, a tough matchup last year in round two when Central took on Carrollton. I remember I was at that game, and, you know, a lot of people were worried because Carrollton, you know, coming in with an all-state quarterback, what can Central do? And they took care of business. You know, are they going to take care of business again? That's what it's going to boil down to. And, you know, I'm never going to bet against Brad Dixon. That's just, you know, my opinion. And, you know, I, I'd probably take Central in this one, but it's going to be a fun, fun game, uh, one I'm certainly excited about. I'm, I'm kind of taking the opposite route. I think Athens is the favorite because I think Athens has played the tougher schedule to this point. I mean, they 
They played their two losses are Williamsville and Moroa Forsyth, yeah. and they were both close games. And I don't know that there's anybody on Central schedule, Beardstown included, that that's that level of team yet. Um, and and to me, uh, the the way that you look at the way that Athens' offensive line blew up Casey Westfield last week. I think if Central is to win, it's incumbent upon Remington Bueller to have maybe the game of his life yet again, which he has done every playoff, it seems like, for the past two years. But he's the guy. I mean, he's got to get it done at the focal point of attack and to get the middle of that Athens line blown up because you have to keep Jackson Mueller clean. You have to keep those linebackers clean or you're not going to have a chance to stop those backs. They're too good with momentum going forward, uh, even against a team as good as Central defensively. I, I think Athens is probably the favorite coming in. Do, do, I, do I think Central can win? Yeah, I think there's a path that they can win. But I think Central's really going to have to do a great job up front on both sides of the ball. We saw the Central offensive line play really, really well last week. Maybe their best game of the season. They finally got some continuity together, back with everybody healthy, and they looked fantastic in blowing up Salt Fork last week. I mean, it wasn't even a game, Chad. It was a half of a game that Central dominated until Central decided, man, we're not going to run up the score anymore. That's how good they looked. They're going to need that level on the offensive line and the defensive line this week to win. Which brings us to the other big game. Who's the favorite between Beardstown and Q&D. You know, Beardstown obviously didn't play particularly well offensively last week against Newton. Quincy Notre Dame didn't play particularly well defensively, giving up a lot of big plays to, you know, to Greenville last week. And Greenville is not beards down in terms of big playability. You've got Pascal and you've got Avery out there sitting on the table. So, um, you know, these are two teams that I, I don't think put their best foot forward last week, but I think they will in this game. And I, I think that's where you're looking forward to, to to what gives on this field. So I'll ask you, what gives on this field, Jed? Do you like Q&D? Do you like Beardstown? See, that's what's interesting. A lot of people that, you know, don't either know both teams don't realize that, you know, Beardstown at home plays on a grass field. QND plays on a turf. So are you really having some home field advantage when you were talking about, you know, possibly two of the fastest players in the Tri-State area playing on turf? And this is what QND has to deal with. So it probably makes it even harder. I mean, Pascal is going to have some fun, you know, on that sh- on that short turf. And, and so is Averly. And these are guys that are, are quick and slimy as it gets. So it's going to be interesting. I think, you know, reminiscent if it kind of goes the way it was last week it probably is going to end up being a shootout and and to me it it kind of comes down to the Q&D passing attack I mean can Q&D beat the corners that you know Beardstown has you know they've they've had their troubles and they have taken their lumps you know they they're at their best they're a team that gets turnovers gets interceptions they have really really good safeties it's going to come down to the quarterbacks because we're talking about a Q&D offense that has Grant Heyer and Johnny Onimus, which are probably two wide receivers that Beardstown has probably not faced the level of, of wide receivers that these two bring in this matchup. I mean, they just really haven't. And they, these are two, two again, two of the better athletes. It's amazing the amount of athletes we have on the outsides in this matchup. I think that's what kind of pushes out on paper. You know, I like what, you know, I feel like, you know, at least as far as line play goes, I think it's kind of a stalemate. I think they're both good lines. You know, I can't tell you one way or another how it's going to go. You know, we, we like what Beardstown does on defense, especially in that, you know, that front seven that they have in the box. I just think it's going to come to an outside game. You know, who can beat who and, and you know, who can break off the big play because you're going to see a lot of big plays this weekend, and that's what it's going to boil down to. I would probably have Q&D as a favorite 
Personally, I you know I, I do like still that they have home field advantage, that they're used to playing on turf. They know their speed. You know, I think that that does bode well, especially coming off, you know, a strong, you know, playoff performance. I mean, and especially that being the first win they've gotten, you know, in the playoffs, and I think since 2015, the first in Jack Cornell's, you know, tenure. And, you know, Robbie Howard's still looking, you know, not for his first. They finally got their first last weekend, but, you know, can they get their second? Now it's kind of building upon, you know, what they did last week. But, again, they pretty much pretty handily beat that Newton team. I don't think, you know, they were a 5-4 and four team. They didn't play, you know, the level of talent I think that Q&D played last week. So, you know, it's I think it's kind of a wash for me. I really don't know who I'd pick to, to win. I think it's going to come down to maybe who has the ball last. It's that fun of a matchup, and I'm excited just to see the highlights this weekend. I think I'm going with Quincy Notre Dame. I, I think I'm going to pull a Jet Beecham here and, and talk about floor rather than ceiling. I think Quincy Notre Dame has better balance. I think there are places that Beardstown is is outlier. I mean, I think Beardstown's strengths are really, really high. But I, I don't think Quincy Notre Dame has as many weaknesses when you look at them as a team across the board. What I do like about this matchup, we're probably going to see the two best sets of defensive ends anywhere in the tri-states. You know, whether it's, uh, you know, Cayembe and Espinosa or whether it's Marth and Becker, I think that's a fun part of this matchup. I, I think the safeties for Beardstown have to be huge because you're right, you're, you're putting a lot of pressure on your cornerbacks with not just, as you mentioned, with higher anonymous but with Jack Marth in the pattern, with Ben Casper in the pattern, with Ike Wiley being able to take off and and do some things with his feet as well. So I think there's a lot there for Beardstown to contend with, but I also think there's a lot for the Q&D defense to contend with, with a number of different looks. And I talked to Jack Cornell today, and he actually likes the chess game of it all, the fact that you don't know where Pascal Gilavogi is going to line up, and your kids have to react to it. You have to have them prepared for every scenario. So again, I think anything can happen. I think if you, you put a gun to my head. I'm taking Quincy Notre Dame. I've talked to some coaches in the WIVC who probably said the same thing, that there are places that if you scout accurately and you know how to attack, there are places you can probably attack Beardstown. They didn't have the wherewithal, the WIVC teams in question, to attack them there, but QND probably does. So it'll be interesting to see how Beardstown responds to that next-level test. Again, I, I think you need to reemphasize, and you touched on it really nicely, Jet. Clint Cooper was a man last week. 17 tackles in the center of that defense. I don't know that Notre Dame or anybody's going to be able to run a Beardstown. What I like about Notre Dame is that Notre Dame really doesn't have to. They can do a lot of things with that river run offense that that kind of, you know, amplify a run game with the pass game, and Ike Wiley's clever enough to pull it off. So, again, I think it's a wildly interesting matchup as well. We're, we're not I guess we're not down to brass tacks yet in Missouri districts, but we are down to semifinals. Usually everywhere else, the first two weeks of district semifinals are kind of blasé and bland, but that's not the case in class two, district six, because it's the district of death, obviously. And you, you know what's out there. I mean, it's Monroe City Palmyra in a rematch this week, and it's, you know, it's a risen making team with the return of Blake Class taking on Clark County. Who do you like in those two games, Jet, moving forward? First of all, start with the Mayor's Cup rematch, Palmyra or Monroe. Yeah, first of all, I got to start out with uh, I promise I do this on the podcast. Uh, shout out to, you know, Palmyra, the student section. Uh, P Town Posse. Yeah, the P Town Posse was out there at the softball game this past weekend in full droves. I'm talking that Sherwood, you know, team was led by parents. All the chants were led by parents, whereas, you know, we had a full camo camo takeover going on so shout out to my boys the award-winning you know listeners of this podcast we appreciate it you're one award-winning uh, student section in our hearts as well but you know i will say it's fun that you know we get a rematch of the mayor's cup i just think it's perfect i you know if you look at 
you know, how the teams are playing. I just think Paul Myers gotten so, so much better since that Monroe City loss. And, and I know both are, you know, now at Monroe City, so maybe it, it's, it's a shame that they don't get to play at home in this game. But I just, you know, a little bit of Monroe City struggling against Clopton Ellsbury last week and even trailing at halftime. I know it was on, like, a last-second pass, but Clopton led most of that first half. And that worries me a little bit with Monroe City. I think if Paul Myra can get out to an early lead, I think they can hit Monroe City. Again, I've, I, I, he was number one on Sensational 7 this week, Quarter Landbauer. Is, is unbelievable. I mean, he's probably been one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best, I think, as, as far as team leader and having to kind of take that mantle in that next step, you know, as a signal caller than, you know, anyone else in the area. I mean, he has been unbelievable with the, the highlight plays he pulls off, how slimy he is, how just the escapability, everything about him, and the way he's been able to throw it. I think it kind of comes down to can Palmyra establish the running game I think that's kind of the biggest thing, you know, can Dakota Compton, you know, gash, gash Monroe City, you know, and a really good front that, you know, can show that they can stop the run. But Monroe City did give up a lot, a lot of points and a lot of yards this past weekend to a primarily passing offense. And that's why I'm a little, you know, a little, little, you know, weary to take them in this game because Palmyra has one of the better passers and, you know, a passer with a lot of weapons as well in his repertoire. That, you know, I just think Palmyra would come on top this time if I had to pick it. But, again, it's going to be a, a Mayor's Cup battle, a battle of Panthers. It's going to be a fun game. And, it's you know, it's one of those beautiful rivalries that I'm so happy we get to see it twice. And I'm excited because I didn't get to see it the first time around in person. So let's do it, gentlemen. Yeah, in, indeed. And I think I, I concur with you because I don't know what we're going to get out of Monroe City. And Monroe City was, was flat last week. And, you know, I know there's an awful lot of emotions going through that town. And David Kirby even came up to me on the sideline and went kind of a different feel than last week because he knew his kids were were looking for a spark or trying to dig up anything. And, and thankfully for them, Max Hayes comes up with a pick six interception and they find a way to respond. And Aaron Plum comes up big in that second half and they find a way to respond. But they were nearly a 2-7 victim, whereas Palmyra, who couldn't have played any worse in the first half of that Mayor's Cup matchup, seems to have regained some of its swagger and pride and felt like, like, hey, we can deliver a better game. So right now, I think you and I are both, in, you know, concur that you know Palmyra is probably the favorite the second time around. And these games have a this this series, you know, when we yeah. do this this one and done or this you know this one off and play them again in the Clarence Cannon Conference always seems to go a different way the second time, which leads me to believe it will. But you know what? If Monroe City shows back up and finds some of that edge. Yeah, it'll be a really good game. I just I, I don't think we know what Monroe City team shows up. I think we know what Clark County team will show up. Uh, it's a Clark County team that saw Trevor Shore playing about as well as any defensive guy in our area uh, last week. He finally scored his first touchdown on a pick six. Uh, you know, it was Van Farr, and they've struggled this year, and I get it. But 59 to nothing in a blink. I mean, there's no team I'd less like to face right now in our area than Clark County. Beardstown, Q and Campoint Central, all of them, you know, in that in that boat. But no, give me give me Clark County to be the last team standing. I don't know that anybody can touch them. Uh, as well as the making offense played last week, they gave up a lot of points to Bowling Green. And Clark County is a much better offensive team than Bowling Green is. I just you know, maybe Blake Class is another miracle in him. He's got great receivers. He's got the best offensive lineman in the tri states. He's got some weapons, but can they stop Clark? I, I don't see it. No, I, I, and that's the big deal. Can they, even if they get into a shootout, 
there's I just don't see them stopping this Clark offense. It's it's unbelievable. You know, we talk about we think Clark County has the best defense. Meanwhile, the offense pretty much casually puts up 40 to 50 points a game, you know, within a blink of an eye. And half the time, it's like at halftime. I mean, these, some of these games could be just out of hand if Clark doesn't kind of step off the gas. And so, yeah, it comes down to, you know, which making are we going to get? You know, they've looked good at times this year. They've struggled with injuries and then looked bad. So it just depends on what we get. But I, you, there's no way I'd ever pick against Clark in this matchup. I think Clark is going to come out of this district anyway as a champion. But it's, I mean, especially with them at home, I just think, you know, there's so many things going against Macon in this matchup. And especially with how Clark handled them that first time around, I just see them, you know, continue, continuing to roll. Because this team, ever since their only loss of the season, Centralia has absolutely pretty much decimated every team in their wake. And, and, it, and it hasn't been, you know, even easy. I mean, this is just a team that takes care of business and kind of almost has their head lit on fire ever since that loss to Centralia in, what, week three? So I, I'm not picking against them, you know, pretty much every single game until, you know, they face some sort of powerhouse, I think, you know, later on in the playoffs. I just think Clark County is kind of almost this, you know, team of destiny, I guess you could say, that, you know, I'm putting my money on them no matter who they face, you know, as long as they're in the playoffs. Agreed with you. The rest of the district breakdown, not particularly great. Uh, Class 4, District 4, St. Dominic travels to Hannibal. St. Dominic's schedule is is greatly inflated. Hannibal's playing really good football. I don't see the Pirates having much trouble there. Um, I'm kind of weirdly interested, though, in Class 2, District 5 by a, a, a Christian team that the last couple of weeks has put up almost 90 points taking on a Centralia team that's not really an offensive juggernaut. You're talking about a Centralia team, though, that's only given up 68 total points this year. Uh, Christian always has athletes, you know, down there by St. Louis and O'Fallon. Uh, I don't think that Christian can beat Centralia. Maybe they can. I don't see it. But I do think it's a really interesting team with a really good spread offense that kind of gives Centralia a different look than it's seen. Centralia's, you know, a great run defense. This is a chance for Centralia to kind of, you know, cut its teeth for the spread teams it may see down the road. You know, um, uh, you know. so this, this is kind of a fun matchup. Again, I think Centralia wins, but I think this is a good test for the Panthers. Jim Newstead's defense to kind of show it's, it's more versatile and it has more than one calling card. Um, I, I think Class 1 District 6 is probably one of the weakest districts in the state. Um, South Callaway's the two seed, and they're four and six, and I really like South Shelby's chance to go in. South Shelby doesn't do a whole lot offensively. Uh, they, they actually won against Mark Twain throwing the football. Uh, you know, in that game, you know, they threw two touchdown passes, and they now have a total of five touchdown passes all season long, which is, you know, speaks to that that that's not really a, you know, a, a really explosive offense, but the defense last week was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Guy Timbrook had a half dozen tackles for loss last week, which is insane. You know, uh, I think uh, if you look at Kaysen Wilde, he had 19 tackles last week. Uh, Luke Wootski had 10 tackles and four tackles for loss. South Shelby can beat you with a defense, and I think that's kind of what they're, they're looking for. Um, you know, and again, maybe Daniel Burke does just enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed he can pass a little bit last week. Yeah. He had those two long passes, through for 160 and two touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's been more of a running quarterback to this point, but maybe that's fun as well. Uh, Class 1, District 8, Putnam County and Scotland County. Surprised that Putnam County is there. They're a good defensive team. I don't think they have enough <laughs> offensive weapons to play catch up with Scotland County at all. And then the eight man, you know, it's a rematch of North Shelby at Oric at Oric. Your thoughts on that, Jet? Because, you know, obviously that's that's a chance for North Shelby to avenge itself, but but will it? 
Yeah, and it's it's interesting because I think it's more of a, a mindset thing now. I mean, that loss to Oric came after that you know that huge huge game against Paddensburg where they you know scored the most points you know in state history, upset the number one team, and so they kind of jump up. You know, maybe they were riding the wave a little bit, didn't respect Oric as much as they should. I mean, we're talking about a team that you know it's still top ten. So I I assume North Shelby took it seriously, but you know you just never know with high school kids. You know, it, it's it wasn't North Shelby had a had a chance to come back at the end. I think more than anything, what's what's kind of killed them and the loss they've had this season, which there's only been two of them, they've gotten down early. I think that's probably the biggest thing. I mean, you know that 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 win against um, Pattonsburg, they went up early and then they held on to it, and you know, luckily by the skin of their teeth, came out on top. I think that's kind of what's you know really what needs to happen. That's the blueprint in this game. North Shelby needs to get on top of Oric because this Oric team has a really good defense. I mean, to, to hold North Shelby to what they did with an offense that, you know, they might not have these these guys putting up amazing stats, but they have probably the most balanced offense in eight-man football. And to hold North Shelby to what they did, surprisingly with, you know, what, what Seth Bass and, you know, the amazing stuff that they've put together, I just, I like North Shelby in this game. In all honesty, I think North Shelby's going to come out on top this time. I think, you know, it, it almost kind of favors them to face each other again because they, they know what they did wrong or they know maybe that wrong mindset they had or they know they probably weren't taking it seriously. They can, you know, this is where, you know, it's it's loser go home, winner go home. You know what I'm saying? So it's I think it's going to be an interesting game. I do think North Shelby, in my opinion, comes out on top this time. You know, that round after that, we'll see what happens. But, I, you know, I like the Raiders in this one, especially after, you know, what they did to Bramer. I think that maybe helps out a little bit, even though we knew they were going to destroy Bramer. I, I, I just I think if they continue to keep that momentum going on after a nice performance, you know, in the first round, I, I, I think I'd take North Shelby in this matchup. All right, all we have left outside of football at this particular point is volleyball, and we're down to one volleyball team, and I guess we shouldn't be surprised who it is. I mean, Holy Trinity for the 10th straight year is headed to state. Is Melissa Friesmeyer the best coach in all of tri-state sports, and is there even a doubt at this point as to the validity of that statement? <laughs> is that even a question, yeah, Chris? I know. She's the best. Look, when you when you do th- what you do, I mean, you know, I mean, the stats are there, you know, the resume is there, 10 straight tickets to the state tournament. We're talking an entire decade's worth. This started back in 2010, and in 2019, they're going back. And, you know, this is obviously a program that has had amazing, amazing players come through. But, you know, this year, I mean, if you look at the roster, especially with what they lost with Emily Box, one of the, the top kills leaders, you know, in the entire state, you know, losing her, and, you know, the offense was built around her. This is a girl that, you know, helped them you know, get that runner-up finish, you know, losing to Janesville last year at the state tournament. You know, to, to lose what they did and, you know, to kind of have to to build back with that with not really, like, a go-to girl because I think that's, you know, kind of what's been lucky with Holy Trinity. They usually have this go-to almost transcendent, you know, player that, you know, gets kills and leads the team. And the way that they've kind of rebounded and, you know, used more of, I guess, a team approach and have to get, you know, stats from everywhere, you know, I will say, you know, Miss Potatakis is, is just taking that next step this year when they needed her. Claire's amazing. She's, she's getting a lot of kills, and she's still pretty young. I think she's only, what, a sophomore or a junior? She's not even a senior yet, and she's done some great things. And for them to, you know, do it, you know, and come back against New London after dropping that first set and to, to tag three straight, you know, just shows the resiliency of this team that, you know, they've taken their hits, but and they were in a pretty stacked, you know, region down here so I think it, it speaks to you know not only how good Melissa Friesmeyer is but also how you know maybe sneaky good this team is as well now of course they're gonna have a, a tough test being the seventh seed out of the eight teams that made it this week so you know they're gonna face a two seed you know this year that's you know very very good in St. Albert um, 
Out of uh, boy, cut out Council Bluffs. So it's going to be interesting. I think they're lucky they don't get Janesville. Janesville sitting there actually at a three seed this year, which is the team that I swear has won what the last three or four state championships. That you know is really that premier program that you know Holy Trinity kind of fights with. But you know we're talking coaches right now, and what Melissa Friesmeyer has done. I mean, bar none, best coach, especially with you know what she has done the last decade, people. I mean, the last decade. It's it's unbelievable. Well, and it goes on beyond that. She's she's been good since the jump and builds a better mouse trap. And uh, you know, there, I don't think it's in doubt. I mean, I don't think anybody else enters that conversation to that level. So again, Melissa Friesmeyer building a better mouse trap this year. Cassie Randolph with you know miss walking triple double to 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 make things happen for everybody else around her. That's been really fun and and really interesting to watch. Well, the holidays are a lot easier when you let County Market do the work for you. Don't miss their special holiday showcase on Saturday, November the 9th and Sunday, November the 10th, when you can sample fresh food, get unique decorating and party ideas, plus save big on your holiday dinners at County Market. All right, Jet, we're going to move on away from sports and do the pop culture thing, which we failed to do last week. Before I get to my stuff, I'm going to ask you, what's your favorite thing in pop culture this week, Jet? Uh, so personally, a couple things. Uh, Black Cat running uh, on the field during the Cowboys-Giants game. It's one of those things where you know, you don't expect it to happen, and I, I, someone actually tracked down the owners of the cat and did a story on them, which was the most hilarious thing. But just, you know, the memes that come afterwards are always great with, you know, the, the cat putting up all these yards and people. You know, I even tweeted, you know, I'm claiming the cat, the cat on, you know, waivers this week for my fantasy team because, hey, it, it scored a touchdown before the Cowboys did. You know, last night, the Cowboys beat the Giants, so I guess luck was on their side. You know, the Cowboys don't ever want to see that black – I mean, the Giants don't ever want to see that black cat again. That was just hilarious. I mean, it's just one of those those weird wacky animal stories. You know, I, I think it's normally you, you see the squirrel on a, on a baseball field or, you know, hornet's nest just happen to be in a dugout. You know, all the players are freaking out. So I always love that, and especially with it kind of being around Halloween. It just kind of adds to, you know, the beautiful black cat, you know, haunted kind of realm. I also uh, want to give a shout-out to um, – Andrew Jones, I don't know if many people know him. He actually went to my high school. He's a, a Texas basketball player, battled leukemia, was out an entire year, uh, just got his first start tonight, scored a career-high 20 points in Texas's first win this season. I just think that's an awesome story, you know, one of those comeback things, and especially with the kid that, you know, went to my high school, Shaka Smart actually was showed up, recruited the kid, and his older sister won a state championship, was in the same class as me. She's also a WNBA champion. We're talking about a, a you know, a family that has some basketball skills. So, I just, you know, that, that to me is also cool. Not really pop culturist, but more like, you know, an amazing heartfelt story that, you know, really speaks to me, especially with, you know, kind of the connections I have to me. Very cool, good sir. My favorite thing in pop culture this week is Dean Gerard Winters. Uh, you may know him from his stints in Oz as an actor. He was also in Rescue Me, Law and Order, American Gods. But you probably know him better at this day and age as the actor who plays Mayhem in the State Farm, the Allstate commercials. Excuse me, not State Farm, the Allstate commercials. And I don't laugh at commercials very often, but the guy who plays Mayhem is funny. And the new one where he plays your cat, who hates you, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, makes me laugh every single time I've seen it. And there's a line within the commercial where he says, no, I'm not trying to snuggle with you. I'm 10,000 years of tiger evolution ready to pounce, which kills me every time he says it because he's there eating the cat. He's there pawing at the couch. He's there causing general trouble, turning water on. You know, Dean Gerard Winters is the best actor in commercial television right now, and he's my thing right now. And if you get a chance to watch the Allstate Mayhem commercials, do it. He's well worth it. All right, I want to get to music with you in just a second because I know hip-hop's your thing. I listen to all kinds of different genres. Hip-hop's 
maybe fifth or sixth on my list ahead of country music, but still, uh, you know, pretty far down my list. But, you know, every so often I'm captivated by an album or something happens. And and I know this is your thing, but I wanted to ask you about this because I think it speaks to the problem with American musical culture right now. Kanye West put out his new album, (laughs) Jesus is King. And, I, you know, Kanye is a lightning rod for a lot of different things. And say what you want, early Kanye is unreal. Um, and and later, Conway, later Kanye is, you know, it depends on your particular mood or political inclination or religiosity, whatever. I don't want to get into that. That's not the point of what I want to talk about. But Kanye releases his album, a religious album of religious rap. And the biggest takeaway America has from this is not the fact that Clips is reunited on the album. Clips, one of the seminal, you know, duos in hip hop history, but that Kenny G appears on it. <laughs> Kenny G does a weird alto sax solo on it, and that's all America wants to talk about, ignoring that Pusha is back in full, you know, full bloom with his, you know, with his cousin. Jet, your thoughts on Jesus is King? <laughs> well, well, look, if you, if you haven't, I mean, it's, it's just hard to even talk about the album. I listened to it, you know, the day it came out, and... I will say this. So Kanye West, he mentioned, Chris mentioned, you know, early Kanye West is amazing. We're talking about, you know, albums like My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, which is probably the GOAT album of all time, in my opinion. I mean, it just beautifully crafted. My thing about Kanye is this guy is the best producer in music. I mean, that's when I was listening to this album, I was like, wow. Like, I mean, just the way he he uses different noises, tones. You know, music symbol. I mean, it's what he does is is just a work of art. And if you just listen to that on this album, you'll understand just how much of a creative genius this guy is. Now, I will say, I you know, it, it is a gospel. It literally is a gospel album. Chris was not joking. I mean, pretty much the entire thing. I don't think you get into any rap. You know, there was a you know, people were bringing up that he brings up Chick Fil A in one of the songs, which is pretty funny. But it, it's it's more of it's just kind of a weird you know. You know, album, and you mentioned it, like just random Kenny G sax solo. It's like it, it doesn't even belong. But it's like that's just the beauty of like Kanye being the weird kind of creative genius he is. But yeah, again, I even even some of these these new Kanye albums are just kind of rough. Like yeah, I didn't even really like Yay very much. The Life of Pablo was pretty good. That came out when I was in college. Jesus was was awesome. I, I you know I'm more of a 808s fan, graduation fan. You know, again, I mentioned my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, level eight registration as well. Exactly. I mean, all those, all the things that came out when I was like in middle school, early high school, were just, you know, that cemented him as still to me one of the greatest artists of our generation. And now he's kind of become this guy that, you know, sells really, really expensive torn pieces of of sweatshirts and and t shirts for, you know, $200 a pop. Some of his, you know, his Yeezy collection shoes are, are okay. I like the Red Octobers more than anything. Not a huge fan of the new Yeezys. I think they're overpriced. And, hell, half the kids around around here, you know, buy the knockoffs anyway, and you can't tell the difference. So uh, <laughs> I, I love Kanye, and I have love for him, but I listened to that album once, and I probably will not listen to it ever again. Well, I'll concur on a lot of different fronts. I was just surprised that, you know, especially, you know, the hip-hop community being what it is, Clips getting back together is a huge yeah, deal. It's huge. It's, a, it's a huge deal, and nobody wanted to talk about it because Kenny G makes an appearance, <laughs> which I just think is totally screwed up. But to your point about Kanye the producer, my favorite, you know, rap album of the last couple of years was Daytona by Pusha, which, you know, was a lean 34-minute, you know, it, it had poppy undertones. It worked. It was the best we've heard Pusha since, you know, Pharrell had him, you know, and it, it, it sort of, 
it speaks to what you said about Kanye. And I don't want to get into a long dissertation about rap, but I just found it interesting. And I know you were the devotee. And, you know, Kanye puts out new art, and all anybody wants to talk about is Kenny G. just seems <laughs> totally ancillary to the argument of music. But I digress. I don't understand these kids today. I'll be the old man standing on my lawn and my socks up to my knees and watering my lawn in my underwear, I guess, when it comes to music. But I just I had to get your take on that because I found that – just wildly ridiculous that Kenny G even gets a mention, you know? So, whereas I, I find it, you know, really interesting that, you know, Bon Iver works in Bruce Hornsby and it's fantastic yeah. into his latest album. And, and you know, it, it you know, and it's deservedly so. It's you know, amazing. And, you know, Justin Vernon's a genius, in my opinion. Yeah. But that's a, a musical discussion for another day. Jet, we had some fun. I know next week we hope we still have some football in Illinois. We'll guarantee at least one team in the Beardstown Q&D winner. Who knows with Camp Point Central? We'll hope you you bring home a winner for us there as well, so we can continue with the two man vibe there. And we'll we'll obviously have Missouri District Championships next yeah. week, and we'll have teams there, and you know probably something really good, I would guess, regardless of you know whatever the permutations is are in Class Two District Six. Man, you know I, I don't know. I mean I, I think there's still a lot of good football left for us, and I'm hoping we got a couple of weeks of it, particularly in Missouri. And I think if you're if you're hoping for that as well. You know, not just for the bigger schools that stand out for you, but yeah. you, you got to start rooting for the North Shelbys and the Scotland Counties of the world to get some things done in the Class 1 level and the 8-man level to keep us going here. I, you know, as I, I've said numerous times, I don't root for anybody this time of year. I root for everybody because I want football in my life for as long as humanly possible. Amen. And I think you feel the same way. That's going to wrap up our podcast for this week. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And thanks, as always, for the constant support from our good friends from County Market. Thank you, good sir. <laughs>